You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drugmeyer, and today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We got our start covering the Chargers over six seasons ago doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which led us to being the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast for the last four seasons, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Well, we did have some news in the Chargers world. Welcome into the show. A special thank you to anyone who is checking out the show for the first time today, but Melvin Ingram has signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers on a one-year deal. So we're going to start with the show with that today and kind of just talk about our reaction to that, what his legacy is with, with the Chargers, what his legacy is with the Chargers, and much more about that. And we have more great stuff coming this week as well, so make sure you guys check back in tomorrow because Chargers play-by-play man Matt Money Smith is going to be joining the show. Really, really excited about that. And we're going to have Brian Baldinger on, NFL analyst for the NFL Network, later on in the week as well. So a super packed week of interviews for you guys as well. It is also Twitter Tuesday. So on today's show, we'll be getting into a ton of Twitter questions about training camp because training camp is right around the corner, guys. Next Tuesday, the Chargers are kicking things off and we'll have so much to get into. But you guys brought it with the question. So today, we're going to talk about Joey Bosa, expectations. We'll talk about some undrafted free agents from last season that could make an impact in 2020. And we'll talk about so much more getting into Derwin James, getting into some undrafted free agents this year who can make the team. I mean, a lot to talk about today. But let's go ahead and get started, David. Melvin Ingram. I mean, this was a happy moment, I think, David, just because he signed with the Steelers on a one-year deal. According to Jason Lockham Four. the number was one year, $4 million. I haven't seen it confirmed other places, but... That's not totally surprising, David, but what was your reaction when you saw that after visiting with a few different teams, Melvin Ingram decided to join on with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I guess, first of all, just happy for Melvin. I mean, Melvin's been a really good teammate, a good charger, a good leader, just a good person, a great personality, someone who I've really enjoyed watching in a Chargers uniform over the last 10 years. I mean, it's crazy to think that he's been with the organization that long. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, there was the running on the wall we kind of knew was probably going to be coming towards the end. But to see that he, uh, you know, he found a, a place to, to play again to try to, you know, turn around his career. I mean, he had an off year last year. But I've said many times before, I, I think that Melvin Ingram still has some gas left in the tank. And uh, so I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. And I'm a lot more excited, Daniel, that he is not playing in the AFC West. So I'm very, very happy about that. Right, because he was visiting with the Chiefs, and especially with what happened with Frank Clark and his you know uncertainty to start the season. That fit made a lot of sense. The money didn't work out. He ends up getting a cheap veteran deal, but has a chance to obviously boost his stock a lot. And yeah, I mean, I didn't want to see him with the Chiefs. The Steelers and the Chargers have a weirder kind of rivalry because you don't get to see the matchup very often, but... So many crazy games between the two of them. And I just know for a fact that the Steelers are one of the teams that Chargers fans do not like. But They get up for those games for sure. 100%. I get it, though, David, from you know Melvin Ingram's perspective. I mean, Tom Telesco 
wasn't lying when he said, hey, you know, we kind of talked about that at the beginning of the offseason. And those talks went away. You know, we kind of decided against that. It's basically what he said. So I'm glad he got to go somewhere. And I think it makes sense, David. He gets to line up across from TJ Watt, who's one of the best pass rushers in the league. Some people think maybe the best edge defender in the entire NFL. When they have to double team that guy, it's going to really help you with some solid situations and one-on-one matchups on the other side. He previously had that with Joey Bosa, but I do think it makes sense for him to go to a team who is, you know, borderline in playoff contention, I would say, and has a really, really good defense to try to really raise his stock, at least for the next season after that. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, I think it's a really good spot for him. I mean, he's a little bit older. I mean, we know that he's over the age of 30 and I mean, he's coming off of a down year, but yes, he gets to follow a similar model. Playing with Joey Bosa with the Chargers, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Now he gets to play with TJ Watt, another one of the best pass rushers and in Derek the NFL. Watt. And Derek <laughs> Watt, exactly. Although we don't really care about Derek. Oh um, my God. <laughs> but no, for real, uh, for Melvin Ingram, yes. I mean, he's in a great situation. I know why he picked the Steelers. He wanted to play with a team who conceivably, on paper at least, looks like they're going to be contending for the playoffs once again. I mean, it seems like they are a perennial playoff team. So he's uh, not not got much time left in the NFL, so he's got to go where he has an opportunity, and he has to go where he could potentially win a championship. So uh, I think the fit makes a lot of sense for Melvin. Yeah, and I mean, he's not totally in ring-chasing mode, right, because I think even though it's an AFC West rival, I feel like the Chiefs would probably be the one that you would feel the most good about making it to a Super Bowl, right? Considering you know what, one thing I was two. thinking about, Daniel, honestly, is do you think players ever, you know, playing with one team in the division, just be like, I don't care if they're offering me crazy X amount of dollars, I'm never playing against a division revi- uh, a division rival. Do you think that ever goes through a player's heads, or is it just strictly a business decision? <sighs> I like to think that it happens to some dudes, but I'd say the overwhelming majority would be no, right? I think a lot of it has to do with prior relationships, and you saw that with Casey Hayward going to Las Vegas, right? And we've seen in the years past, right, Jamal Williams goes to Denver. You have Sean Phillips going to Denver. Louis Vasquez going to Denver. So we've seen players do that kind of over and over again. I think even Quentin Jammer went over there for a little while, so... I like to think that they think about it. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I think for him, though, if he was really trying to go for that Super Bowl ring and try to get a late ring, I think he would have went to the Chiefs. But everyone thinks of the Chiefs as a bad defense, though, right? The defense doesn't really ever get much credit. So I think he puts himself now looking good on a better defense to really boost his stock going into the 2022 offseason. So I think that did play a big part of it. And I think he would have signed with the Chiefs for the right amount of money. But Trade in the blue and gold for the black and gold. Yep, I saw that all over Twitter. It makes me absolutely sick. But <laughs> anyways, let's look at Melvin Ingram's career, though, because the interesting thing about him is when he came into the league the first few seasons, I mean, people couldn't wait to label him a bust. And he had a lot of injuries that cost him to miss a lot of games over his first three years. He ended up only having six sacks in those first three seasons. And, you know, when you're picked in the first round, as a pass rusher, you're going to have, you know, a lot of expectations on you to be that guy, to be the replacement to guys like and Sean Merriman and Sean and Phillips. three seasons ain't going to cut it. Definitely. And, I mean, he ended up missing 19 games in those first three seasons. So, that had a lot to do with it. Ended up tearing his ACL, though, and coming back to help the Chargers win a playoff game. That was definitely a bright moment. But 
In the next five seasons, he would end up getting 43 sacks, right? That's averaging over eight sacks per season, which is really good. And historically speaking, David, statistically, he goes down as one of the best Chargers pass rushers ever. He has 49 career sacks. He's above Joey Bosa for now. Maybe that might end week one because it's by one and a half sacks. But either way, and the time he ended there, he's ending fourth in franchise history, a, a franchise that's been around for 60 plus years, right? And he's number one on that list, and he's number four on that list. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about that. More than Sean Merriman had, more than Junior Seau had, right? So he still ends up, I think, not only not being a bust, but being a really important figure in Chargers history. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, Melvin Ingram was a great leader. I think, he, like I said, he was a phenomenal personality, but he was productive on the football field as well. I mean, he was a loud, vocal-type leader, and he had, you know, I love his sayings. I mean, ASAP, I mean, that's going to go yep. away, which kind of sucks. I, I mean, I kind of like that one, any squad, any place. I just love that mentality. But he, he brought that. He brought that toughness to the defense, and I, I like the fact that Melvin Ingram did a lot of the dirty work, too. I mean, he wasn't just a pass rusher. I mean, he was a guy that took on double teams. He's a guy that helped in the running game. He did a lot of those little things that you that doesn't show up on a stat sheet. You know, I mean, sacks are sexy, but there's a lot of different aspects of playing that defensive end position, and I think Melvin Ingram played it fairly well. I think he was a good charger and a good NFL player. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think he was a you know multi-time Pro Bowler. He did a lot of really good things, and yeah, most importantly, I mean, I think he will be remembered for just being a character and being a guy that really lifted this defense up. I mean, when they didn't have Derwin James at times, when they didn't have Joey Bosa, especially at times, Melvin Ingram put the defense on his back for some of those seasons, right, and really kept them afloat and kept them going in the right direction as one of the leaders and a really good player on that team. So Melvin Ingram, wishing you the best of luck over here from the Locked On Chargers Best of luck, Super Mel. Exactly. See, you know, excited to see some of his Instagram posts and stuff like that again now that he's with another team. But the Chargers will have to play them this season, so that will definitely be something to look forward to. We do have two more segments to get into, though, because it is Twitter Tuesday, so we're going to be getting into some of your guys' questions. You guys brought a lot of questions to us. Coming up next, we'll be talking about the 2020 undrafted free agent who's most likely to show the greatest improvement, Joey Bosa expectations, and talking about seeing some surprises from the depth players early on in training camp coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Right now is a great time to get in on the action, guys, because we still have the NBA Finals and so many different things you can bet on, and we have bet on with Bet Online. Me and David both love the UFC. You can bet on NFL futures right now. Guys like Asante Samuel Jr., great odds to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Will Justin Herbert win MVP? Will the Chargers win the Super Bowl? There's so many things to bet on in the NFL futures bets on betonline.ag, and it has the best odds, and it's the one place we trust with our money. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can even get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On, all caps, one word for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, well, let's get into some Twitter Tuesday questions. I really appreciate you guys 
going on Twitter and asking us some questions. If you guys didn't see the post, you can find us at LockedOnLAC on Twitter. We're going to keep these Twitter Tuesday questions going forward, so make sure to check in with us before we do this show and before we record so we can get them on the show. And I think we have a good batch today, David. And it starts with Andrew Donnelly, who asked on Twitter, of the 2020 undrafted free agent class, who is most likely to show greatest improvement from last year? So this is limited because there's a lot of those guys that aren't around anymore, but there are a certain few of them, I think, that stand out, guys that actually spent some snaps on the team, guys like Gabe Neighbors and Braden Fajoko. So, David, when you're looking at the undrafted free agents who are still on the roster battling for this year's roster spots, who do you think is going to show the greatest improvement? Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of a tough question, right? Because, I mean, we haven't really been able to see what they've been doing in the offseason, and we don't know how they're taking to the defense, and we don't know how they're going to perform in training camp. But, I mean, a guy, for me, that kind of stands out is uh, Braden Fajoko. I, I think that uh, he's got a good opportunity with a new coaching staff to work with Giff Smith and work with Jay Rogers and and really uh, try to earn himself a rotational role in that defensive line. I mean, if he's a guy who can you know try to find some pass rush or, or you know add some interior push to the inside of that defensive line i mean he can find himself uh, as part of that rotation i mean that's a position group on this team and on this defense that's a little bit light right now and if Braden fehoko can show uh, some of that improvement I, I think uh he definitely could be a guy for that role i think that's what's important too is he has a legitimate chance to make the roster right i mean the starters, as we see at base formation, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, Limbaugh, Joseph, Christian Covington, I think has, you know, the best shot of the rest of the guys to make the roster. They brought him in in free agency. And then it's guys like Cortez Broughton, Braden Fehoko, and some undrafted free agents. So I do think that he has a chance there. There's a lane there and he'll have to show great improvement. I would also say you could make the case for Gabe Neighbors just because we know there's some Shanahanian parts of this offense. We know some of it has to do well, a lot of it really with the New Orleans offense, both offenses that used fullbacks, but the 49ers specifically and how they use someone like Kyle Juszczyk, right? Will you see any of those, even though I'm not saying he's going to become that, but will <laughs> you see them try to use a fullback in that way to try to get mismatches? And if we know Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi, that's one of the things they're trying to create. So Well, and it's a better be running system too, right? I mean, he's probably going to have more success and more opportunities in a system that's had more success in the NFL. And a system that I think will use a lot more play action, too, to kind of get some really good matchups offensively. So I think he could be more involved in the passing game, and it'll look a lot different. And he might be more involved if they continue using fullbacks as much as some of the offenses that they're really going off of use. But let's get to the next question here from Twitter Tuesday. This time we're going to Spag Dreddy, who says, What are the expectations for Joey Bosa coming into training camp in the season under a Staley defense can he win Defensive Player of the Year or be the league leader in sacks? David, I open it up to you. I mean, that. Uh, for, first of all, I'm not going to put any constraints or restrictions on what Joey Bosa can do because I've said on multiple occasions we have not seen the best of Joey Bosa. I think we're still kind of scratching the surface, and I think we've been waiting for a defense that's going to feature him, and I'm really excited about what he is going to be able to do. As far as my expectations for him, my expectations for him is pretty high. I, I would like to see, I mean, his career career high in sacks is 12 and a half. I think that he can easily get up to 14 or 15. If he stays healthy, if he plays 15, 16 games, I think that is my expectation for Joey Bosa this season. I think what I expect for Joey Bosa going into training camp is for him to just come in, 
make sure he has this defense down because he did miss some of the voluntary workouts with the Chargers early on. I don't think he'll have any problem with that, but I do think you'll also expect to see him a little bit more dropping into coverage, but I don't think he'll be doing anything crazy. The main thing he's going to do is rush the passer, and I think what I expect from Joey Bosa going into the season, I mean, he could lead the league in sacks. He definitely could be a defensive player of the year candidate, especially if he leads the league in sacks. But I would just say this. I think that what I expect for him is to win his one-on-one matchups, to be a, a force to be reckoned with on that defensive line and get constant penetration and always be a factor in the game like we saw a lot from him last year when he was healthy. He was a factor in every game he played with. He was by far and away their best defender, and I think they expect that going in again, and I think they also expect him to make the other players around him better, which I think he'll do as well. But let's get into another Twitter question here. This time it's from Brett Austin, who says, Avoiding major injury, but that's obvious. Kicker and special teams in general is a question. Wide receiver three, I'm personally high on Palmer. Depth of O-line, D-line, linebackers, and all of the secondary are all question marks for me. So I guess everything. So <laughs> when we put this post out, you know, we wanted to know what your biggest training camp questions were. There are a lot of questions to be answered, and that's part of the reason that we did this. But the part of this I want to focus on here, David, is the depth. And I think the one thing about training camp specifically in what we're going to see when the Chargers roll out is what to expect from the depth. Because those are guys we don't really get to see once the regular season starts. This is our first glance at some of these guys, what Brendan Hymas looks like, what some of the undrafted free agents look like, and what the depth looks like, what Nick Neiman looks like as one of the backup linebackers and all of those things. So I think this is a chance for guys like that to shine and to really find out the guys we can be excited about going forward. Well, and these guys are going to have the benefit of preseason again, Daniel. So they're going to be able to go out there and strap it up and actually show what they can do on the football field against other guys that are trying to make NFL teams right now. So I think I'm really excited and looking forward to that. I mean, I'm a football nerd. Obviously, I'm doing a football podcast. But that is where these guys make the team. That's where Austin Eckler made the team. If they didn't have preseason, he even said, if I didn't have preseason, I would not have made the team. There is no way. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what these guys are going to do. And, hey, the cream's going to rise to the top. I mean, we're going to find out what the depth is going to look like slowly but surely through training camp. Yeah, and that's exciting. It's going to be exciting to see those guys on the field and how they fit offensively and defensively. But, Let's get to another question here from Superfan Zach, who says, this might be a stupid question, but is training camp even designed around the defense? It seems like it's only catered to the offense. If the defense has a good play, it's all about things to improve on for the offense. So I don't think it's a stupid question, Zach, because I see what you mean, and I think that's you know how things are coming out in the media, right? It's if Tua Tungavailoa throws five interceptions in a mandatory minicamp, that's going to be the story. It's not going to be hey, the Dolphins' defense looks as good as it ever has been, right? Because right. they intercepted Tua Tungavailoa five times. And I think that's just more of like a media spin thing because offense is what sells tickets to football games. That's offense why a is lot sexy, of, man. It is, and that's why a lot of the penalties are set up to help the quarterbacks, and a lot of the rules that are made help the offense usually, right? Sometimes it's the defense, but I'm sure if you ask NFL defenders, they're going to tell you that most of the penalties – or about the offense. And I think that training camp is set up for both things because a lot of it you have to understand is individuals where it's just position coaches, players in that position group that are all training to get better at their specific position. But once the 11-on-11s and 7-on-7s get started and they start scrimmaging, that's going to help both things by default, right? 
the defensive coaches are looking at what the defenders need to do better. The offensive coaches are looking at what the offensive players have to do better. I think it's catered to both. I think the offense is the part of it that gets the most attention, but I can tell you that Brandon Staley probably thinks that the defensive side of things is very important too, and I think he knows the defensive side of the things right now as we see it probably has more work to do than the offensive side of things. So thanks for the question, Zach. I don't think it was a dumb question. I definitely understand what you're saying, but we do have a few more questions to get into because you guys did bring it for us this week, and we appreciate that. Coming up next, we'll get into our biggest concerns as we head into training camp. We'll talk about if the Chargers could add any more players, maybe add some veteran pieces going forward, and we'll also talk about if someone like Ben DeLuca, an undrafted free agent, could make a run at a roster spot because of a very thin Chargers safety group. So we're going to get into all of that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, there's only one place I go for all of my car issues, and that is at rockauto.com. If I ever need a part, that's where I go because, first of all, it's very convenient. I don't want to go to any chain storefront to ask the guy at the counter to look up the part that I need just for him to tell me that it's going to be a couple weeks before they can have it in the store. I'm going to go to the place with the best inventory at rockauto.com, and I'm going to go to the place that I trust because I've already used Rock Auto a couple of times. I've used it three times now. Got an alternator there. Got some brake parts there. You can find whatever you need at rockauto.com. It got sent directly to my house. I never had to leave, and I got the parts that I needed at a great price, most importantly, because whether you're a mechanic or a daily driver, everyone gets the same low price at rockauto.com. They have everything that you're looking for for your car, so make sure to go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there, How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, David, we still have some questions to get in here too, and some really good questions that I think are worth talking about. But let's start with this question here from Dante Jackson. And these are all questions that we got from you guys specifically about training camp. And I think this is a question that a lot of fans have thought of as we head into training camp. And he says, do you let Derwin James go all out or do you wrap him in bubble wrap and hopes he makes it out there for week one? This is a question that we've talked about before, and we'll definitely reiterate our thoughts on it. But Derwin James actually answered this question as well when he basically said, hey, I got to go out there and play football. He can't think about, is he going to get injured again? He has to go out there. He has to go all out for the most part, right? Hey, maybe that means you don't have to go on a dead sprint to every ball in practice and try to tackle somebody full on. But he has to go out there and do all the things that he would normally do, David. So he said he's going to go out there and just give it his all. And I think that's all you can really hope for as fans is he does what he's doing and keeps working hard to get as good as he can, that he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be confident in his rehab. I mean, we've seen all the videos. We've seen all the crazy workouts that he's done. Uh, by all accounts, he looks like he's in amazing shape. He looks like he's good. But you, you can't just wrap yourself up in bubble wrap and then expect to go 110 miles an hour when the season starts. That's just not how it works. That is asking for an injury. You have to work your way into it. That's why training camp is very important because these guys got to work themselves back into football shape. I mean, they're all in great physical condition. They're all professional athletes, but they got to get back into football shape. I think that's very important for Derwin James to go out there. Now, if you would have asked me as a fan, uh, yeah, I'd love to put him in a cryogenic sleep and not uh, open that pod until week one of the NFL season. But guess <laughs> exactly. what? That's not how it works, unfortunately. So, yes, Derwin James has to go out there in training camp. He has to go be himself. He has to go 100% because if not, he's actually at a bigger risk for injury week one. 
If you ask me about it right now, if he should play even a single snap of the preseason, I'd probably tell you no. No. Maybe I'll feel differently about it. Maybe I'll feel later on like he has to shake off a little bit of rust. But the preseason is a little bit different. Live action. If he wants to save all of his live action bullets for the real thing, we've seen plenty of players set out the entire preseason and be fine from that, right? So I would lean towards doing that. But training camp, you have to let him go out there. And we just have to hope that this is a freakish kind of situation and he can have a nice bounce-back career kind of like Keenan Allen has had. And we know he has all the talent to do it. But I think that also kind of goes to TT850's question of how will Brandon Staley and his sports performance team handle the older veterans and nagging injuries that occur at camp. So it's been such a cooperative relationship so far between Brandon Staley and the players that I think they're going to do a lot to help veterans out, especially older guys. And I think that's going to be the one of the biggest things with this new sports performance staff is not just can you prevent these guys from getting injured, but how do you deal with it once the injuries occur? And we've seen a couple of different times with a couple of different players, whether it's Michael Badgley being really gone for a long time and not really knowing when he's coming back because you hear he's questionable for week one and then he misses like eight weeks. We had the situation with Nazir Adderley, his rookie season. That got misdiagnosed, and he ended up missing the entire season, and that was a whole you know disaster in its own right. So I think that there's a lot of things that are important for this new sports performance staff that's with the Chargers, but I think that is a huge part of it is getting these guys back to fully healthy, getting them ready to play on Sundays, and that's where they're going to earn a lot of their money. But let's get into the next question here from Roberto Castillon who asked, what are your biggest concerns heading into the season? So this isn't really a training camp question, but I'm glad you asked it, Roberto, because obviously we have some concerns. We have concerns about health. We have some concerns about some depth on this team. David, what are you really concerned about right now as we're entering training camp? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just how quickly they're going to pick up the offense and defense. I mean, I know that they've said that they're 95% installed and all that, but I mean, they still got to go out there and they got to activate it in real life. They have to go see what it looks like and work out the kinks. And I mean, that's a lot of turnover. That's a lot of things to change. I mean, it's a lot of overhaul. So I just want to see how quickly they're going to get that and how quickly they're going to be able to perfect it. Yeah, and I just want to see all of the things that we've heard Brandon Staley talk about come to fruition, right? Because when he talks, it's so exciting. I think as a Chargers fan, there's always a little concern that you can't really have nice things, right? So I'm excited to see the positive effects that we think Brandon Staley is going to bring have a positive effect on this team and really see that show up on the field. But let's look at a question here from BoltUp3 who asked us on Twitter, do you believe the Chargers roster is pretty much set or do you believe they will still look to add veteran pieces? So I think it's very possible, if not likely, that they add at least one or two veteran pieces, David, between now and when they start their season. I just don't think it's going to be a player that fans are going to get really excited about. I don't think it's going to be a very high-key, big-named guy, even though there's not very many out there. There's a few big-name veterans still out there. I think they'll probably just be little supplementary pieces if we do see them. For me, I think the Chargers have a lot of cap space, and I think they're going to be bargain shopping, seeing who gets cut. I mean, every year there's a couple of surprise cuts from guys that, you know, either you're making a little bit too much money or that, you know, they have an up-and-comer who's going to take that position. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, and I do expect the Chargers will add a couple of those type of players before we get to week one. Yeah, you hope to see it, right? And that's the thing is we don't know what that kind of buyout market is going to look like right now, but... The nice thing about that is usually when players are getting cut because they're contract balloons and we see so many escalating contracts 
throughout the NFL, right, where you see in those later seasons, the numbers really start jumping very high as the guy's getting to that older age where you'd be worried about his play anyways, right? That's a lot of the reason Melvin Ingram last year wanted his contract guaranteed because those are big numbers in those final seasons of some of those deals, and so a lot of it's not guaranteed. So I do think you could see some cuts and you could see some very talented players that will be willing to sign lower contracts. So that's going to be very interesting to see, and I think you'll know how these coaches feel about some of these players depending on who they bring in, and I think there's going to be a lot of evaluating going on at training camp specifically, David. But let's get to the last question we have here, and it's another good one. It's from Zach Marincic, who asked, Ben DeLuca had a very low missed tackle rate. Ben DeLuca is an undrafted free agent safety that the Chargers have brought in. Do you think that he is going to make the squad? I think that he's in a good position group to potentially make it. We need another DB. So let me start with this. I will say that last year the Chargers kept five safeties. Right now, there's only going to be five safeties going into camp. So by that logic, yes, he'll absolutely make the team. But <laughs> obviously it's it's tough because they also only kept four corners last year on their initial roster. And it's a different coach and a different front office and GM. But, I mean, there is some precedent for him keeping an extra safety. And we know that is such a really thin group, David, which does make it, even for a guy who we're not sure if he's going to make the team, it gives him a pretty good chance to do it just being at such a position of need. Yeah, I mean, if I'm his agent, right, before undrafted free agency, I'm looking at rosters and I'm seeing where my player is at and and what that position group looks like and how thin they are. For the Chargers, it's very thin at the safety position. So, I mean, I think it was a good choice to get him in in this building and and get him an opportunity to try to make the team because there is an opportunity there. We know know that the Chargers drafted Mark Webb in the seventh round, but we don't know what that's going to look like. And, I mean, in the seventh round, nothing is guaranteed. I mean – Nothing. Right. So we'll have to see what that looks like. But, I mean, as far as fit, I, I think he has every opportunity to show this coaching staff that uh, he's that he belongs at this level. So we'll see what he does. And Brandon Staley has shown some propensity for getting a lot out of safeties who maybe get knocked for their lack of athleticism, right? And if you look at Ben DeLuca and you look at his athletic score relatively compared to the rest of the guys going into the league, it's not very good, right? He's not known for as his athleticism, he played at a lower level of football playing at Charlotte. But he's one of those dudes that just, he's playing at a lower level, but he's going to set all sorts of records just because he stands out so much. All-time record holder for career tackles, forced fumbles, fumbles recovered, passes broken up. So he did a lot while he was at Charlotte, including a bunch of all-league awards and things like that. And we've seen Brandon Staley just really put a high value on football IQ and that is something he brings to the table as well so I don't think it's that crazy to think he ends up making the roster but it will be tough and it maybe would come at the expense of someone like Alohi Gilman which if he thinks he's not a you know the right fit as a former sixth round pick which also doesn't guarantee you roster spots right David so that could be up for grabs and we'll see you know which one of those guys fits better but he definitely popped off the list of undrafted free agents this year where you're just like Hey, a smaller school guy, Brandon Staley was in Division Three football four years ago. If anyone knows how to get you know smaller guys or knows that there's still some talent at those levels and can get the most out of it, that's Brandon Staley. So I think that's the argument to be made for him having a good chance to make the roster. I'm excited to see it play out. And I'm just so excited for training camp in general. And on tomorrow's show, guys, we're going to have Matt Money-Smith on the show to talk about Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert, Chargers training camp, the play-by-play man, 
for the Los Angeles Chargers on their radio broadcast. So I'm super excited. I know it's going to be a great interview. That's pretty much all he does. So make sure to check back in with us tomorrow, guys, because we're really, really excited to do that interview, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We also have a huge get a lot of credit to David here. Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network and who also does Baldy's Breakdown has done a bunch of stuff on Justin Herbert. We'll also be coming on the show later on the week, Thursday or Friday. We're not sure which day is dropping yet, but so much to be excited about this week. So to make sure you don't miss it, go follow the show or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from the new Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you don't want to miss these shows coming up later on the week, guys. You can also find every show at our social media. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. You can find David on Twitter at DroTalkSD. And you can also find the show's Twitter at LockedOnLAC. We also are on Instagram now as well, guys, if you don't know, at LockedOnChargers. And we also have a LockedOnChargers Facebook page as well. But super excited about that. Some great interviews coming up for you guys later on the week. But that's going to do it for us today. If you guys want to leave a voicemail and get your voice on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But super exciting week as we lead into training camp, guys. But that's it for today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.